Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Hello, Nikki Kinzer. Uh, a happy and fine recording day to you. You too. We're starting a new series today. We are. We are starting a new series, and it is a series, uh, it is a triggering series for me. Yes, yes. Oh, Nikki Kinzer. Oh, I'm sorry. But this will be good. This will be a good trigger. It's cathartic. I've been planning for it all weekend. I've been, you know, saying my little meditations. It's going to be okay, Pete. It's going to be okay. This is not about you. This This is not not about about you. you. This is not about your lifelong struggle with this stuff. It's not about you. Um, So we're going to be talking about ADHD and money this week, or this week, this whole month on the show. But we're starting this week. And before we do that, we want you to head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list. And we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. And we extend our warmest of welcomes to Dawn and Jack. Jackson and Brooke and Susan and Emily and Carol, who all joined us in the ADHD community as patrons in the last week over at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Now, this show is and always will be free for all, but it does come at a cost for us to produce and to host and to grow this show. And thanks to all of the wonderful, wonderful people who lend their direct support through Patreon, the ADHD podcast can continue to thrive. If this show has ever touched you or helped you make a change in your life for the better, if you've ever found that you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, we encourage you to become a member at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. It's listener supported podcasting with a few dollars a month. Uh, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow. Visit once again, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more about our tiers of support. Thanks, everybody. Start talking about money and my money. tongue ties in knots. Does it? Why? Nikki. Let's let's start with that. Yeah, let's start with that. I uh no, I mean I I have always had a, a you know a complicated relationship with with money in that either I think about it a lot or I don't think about it at all. And yeah, uh, yeah. that that leads in these massive pendulum swings and not a lot of stability. So the stability for me 
thankfully, came when I got married and had someone else to be my sort of monetary accountability buddy, uh, to, to just have somebody to talk about money and growth and stability uh, in a way that that didn't just cause crazy, crazy, you know, disruption in my life and discomfort. Um, so but but without that, like I'm I'm sort of a wash at sea. So mm-hmm. I'm eager. I know we have a set of fantastic guests coming mm-hmm. up this month and I'm eager to hear from them Yeah, uh, me because too. I know I have a lot to learn. I am definitely in a mood of uh, sort of provoked to to learn. Mm-hmm. This month, it's interesting because uh, we'll we'll talk about this in just a in a minute here about uh, sort of how you view money and and where that where that came from, you know, and it really does mm-hmm. start with how we grow up, right? Sure. Um, but uh, it is it's interesting. I've gone through waves in my life where um, I I worried about it, I didn't worry about it, I was in debt. <laughs> I guess that means that I didn't care enough about it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I ended up marrying somebody who was actually very good with it. And, um, and I've learned a lot from him. So I'm at a point now where I'm actually very comfortable talking about money, um, and, uh, and comfortable with it. Um, but that is because again, I married somebody too that's really good with money and really good with money. I, I was really able to, to learn a lot and, um, and go from there. But yeah, so it's going to be good. We're going to have, uh, it's going to be sort of a money series, right? So for the next four weeks, today we're going to start with uh, an introduction and and uh, I'm going to share with you some facts and stats around money and ADHD to give people a better understanding of what's going on um, and the challenges that they face. Um, specifically around ADHD and money. Talk about your mindset with money, the relationship you have with money, and then breaking it down um, on what it means to work on your finances. Because so many times I'll I'll ask, even like my groups, my coaching groups, I'll say, well, what do you guys want to talk about? What's important to you? Let's talk about money. That is so big. <laughs> okay, which part of money do we talk yeah, about? Um, right. it, so really kind of um, figuring out how to break it down and setting reasonable uh, uh, goals of where to start. Um, I'm really excited about having our experts on the show. Um, in the next three weeks, we're going to be having Chelsea uh, Brennan from smartmoneymamas.com. And we're also going to have Stephanie Sarkis, the author of ADD and Your Money, come on the show. and. Um, I am just really looking forward to having them really address more of the specific concerns where, you know, you and I, Pete, can talk about it, but we're not coming mm-hmm. from the expert view, right? And uh, so I'm really excited about having them having them on the show. Um, so much that some of the things that I'm going to say today actually come from the book, ADD and Your Money from Stephanie Sarkis. So um, if you don't have that book, I highly re- recommend getting it. It's one of the only books out there that is uh, specific to ADHD and money. So, um, you know, I think it's a, a good investment if this is something that you're you're struggling with. Yeah, so let's dig into some of the the facts. If we can sort of use this week as an opportunity to set the table, so to speak, for the conversations to come this month. Yes. Well, so some of these... uh statistics are are actually probably not going to be surprising, but they're kind of depressing. So, um, you know, just remember that we're going to be talking about strategies and help too. So it's not yeah. all bad. People with ADHD have a greater amount of debt 
Um, they have more difficulty paying their bills and less people, or I'm sorry, and less money saved up than people without ADHD. Uh, people with ADHD have lower incomes than those without ADHD, even when they have a similar education level. Uh, people with ADHD also miss more days of work due to unofficial absences. People with ADHD are more likely to take risks uh, that lead to loss of money. Um, and then additional research outside of the book that um, I found too is that people with ADHD are two-thirds more likely to be fired from jobs, three times more likely to impulsively quit their jobs, and 50% more likely to have changed jobs in a given period. These statistics clearly show us uh, that there is a challenge around money. And if it's not recognized and managed, the consequences can certainly become very severe. Uh, a lot of resulting in broken relationships, because if you notice, um, a lot of the stats around marriages and divorce is, is money, our money issues. Well, yeah, and I was going to say, like, if you're 50% more likely to quit your job impulsively? What other relationships will you quit impulsively, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. High levels of debt and uh, and bankruptcy. And, and, you know, I mean, this also, yes, what other relationships? Absolutely, are you hiding what yeah. you're buying? You know, hiding purchases. I mean, I, I see some of that sometimes. Um, can, uh, the, the impulsive buying can be a huge issue. So hopefully we're going to, you know, end up talking about a lot of that stuff with our experts too. Um, but those are some of the stats. Yeah, Not great. Grim. Not great. That's okay. It's all about building muscles. That's the whole point of this is figure out what new muscles we have to build. Right. And being aware of it is one of the, right. you know, very first, uh, pieces of it. So what does ADHD have to do with this? Well, it really goes back, I think, to the basics of what executive functions are, okay? Because we have to look at how executive functions directly impact money management. And uh, one of the executive functions that I'm going to highlight today that, that affects directly money management is, uh, well, actually, there's a few, planning, um, organizing, working memory, and self-regulation. So those are major components that we have to really understand in order to understand how ADHD affects how you think of money. If those sound familiar, it's also because they affect everything. <laughs> they affect everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, we, and we've talked a lot about planning in the last yeah. couple of weeks and how hard that is. Yeah. Um, but what I'm going to do is just break this down a little bit and give everybody a little bit of an education if they're not real familiar with what executive functions are, how how right. these ones would relate to, to money. Uh, with planning, what happens is many 80 years have a difficult time thinking into the future, right? So they're looking at what's happening right now. They can't remember the past and the future may be too overwhelming to really tackle. So designing a financial plan may seem like a good idea. You may have the intention of doing that, knowing that, hey, this, this sounds like something I should do. Um, but there are so many roadblocks that, that can get in the way because a financial plan, as I was mentioning earlier, is a very vague task. Uh, not knowing where or how to start, um, can some, you know, can really stop someone from doing anything. And so they just continue to do what they're doing. Whether that's hurting them or not, they don't even know because they're not looking into it enough, right? 
So they also may be resisting the structure of a budget uh, because many 80 years do not want to be told what to do or how to do it. And so they avoid a budget altogether because it it just feels so constricting. And um, there's a little bit of, I think, denial sometimes, right? Like if I don't pay attention to it, it's not really there. And so we have to really kind of pay attention if if we want to plan and, and look into, you know, how our future is going to be impacted. It, it's so funny to think about this, especially because we, we sort of called out that uh, in, in our May workshop mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, and, and you asked me, directly, you know, how do I feel about structure, right? And and right. that structure in terms of time is incredibly helpful for me. And it actually helps me feel sort of liberated that I know that my structure I'm going to be taken care of because I have this structure in place. And, and so why is it that a budget, which is effectively the same sort of structure around money that I apply my schedule to time, why is it that a budget makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. It makes me feel completely irrationally constrained and emotionally impacted. Well, I would have to, I mean, just my own self, my own opinion on that is that a budget is basically, it's it, it's probably not what you want, right? So unless you make a lot of money and yeah. it doesn't matter how much you spend, which is well the one percent right. of America or in the country, right? Yeah. Who wants that? Like, who wants to face wants that? I can't. Yeah. I have to make a choice between buying, you know, a pair of shoes for myself versus a pair of shoes for my my child. Like, of course, yeah. I remember. I think I've shared this story before on the show. I remember talking to my mom about parenting and that was her example. She's like, you know, when you have, when you need a new pair of shoes or your child needs a new pair of shoes, your child gets the shoes. And who wants to make that choice? I mean, we would rather, you know, it'd be great to everybody have shoes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Shoes for the world. Shoes yes. for the world. Everybody but gets shoes. I, I mean, I think for me anyway, that's that's why I don't, you know, I feel constricted by it is that it's like, gosh, I, I'm, I'm having to face the fact that I can't have what I, you know, everything that I want. I have to make choices. I have to. And when we don't, and I've done this before in my 20s, where then you get that credit card and you buy it anyway, and then all of a sudden you're in this debt and that feels crappy too. Yeah. It does, you know. Right. So, well, yeah. and and so that's the that's the thing that becomes triggering for me is when we start talking about the same constraints that I'm totally comfortable with around my time and my days and projects. Uh, I am uncomfortable about with budgets, and I'm I this is this is my month, my month to get over it. I need to yeah. get over myself because I feel like I'm about twelve years old, right? Well, and I go right. into that I mean, same. Yeah, that that same sort of uh, childlike state where it's that spirit of entitlement. You can't tell me what to do with my money. But in fact, you can, especially when it comes time to like building debt and having those debts called. And like I've been through that road years ago and it's it is not comfortable either. It's (laughs) not. And and again, unless you have money just falling off of trees, we are limited by how Mm -hmm. much each of us have. So we have to live within that bucket. And that's hard because living within your means is not an easy thing when you when your means aren't as much as you would like them to be. That's right. Well, so. and especially when you add, and I think you and I might be uh, in a uh, it's sort of a different context around that particular conversation around income because we're not salaried, right? And right. we have some 
sort of of predictive mechanism in what we do, but we're we are freelance, and yep. that adds a whole new sense of unpredictability to, um, you know, to our financial flow. Well, and there's other industries that are very similar too. When you think of anybody that works on any kind of commission, especially yeah. real estate commissions, service, right? Tips. Like if right. you're right, if you're uh, and real estate really just pops in my mind. I mean, you're you're getting that commission off of whatever houses or homes you sell, and if you're not selling homes then you're not making as much money. Teachers, you know, people who, yes, they're getting paid on a yearly basis, but they're still having some time in the summer that they could potentially have a second job if they wanted to or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a funky way to get paid, right? It's different. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different things you have to, to think about. Well, and I think also you saying that Pete with like being a contractor or being like an entrepreneur, you really do have have to plan um in the sense that if you have a really good like couple of months you don't you can't just expect that those good couple of months are going to follow so you really do have to plan for that and not overspend or overdo it just because you had two really good months because that third or fourth month could really suck and then now you need to go back and use those reserves so it's yeah, yeah it's a very much a um a balancing act. Now, organizing is one of those executive functions too that we've talked a lot about in the next few or last few weeks, right? In all different contexts, space, time, and now we're yeah. going to talk about money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is definitely an issue with a lot of my clients. Is is just keeping the finances straight. It's not that they don't have the money to pay for it; they can pay for it, but they forget to pay for it. Um, now, a lot of that can be uh, taken away by doing automatic withdrawals and setting those bill paying systems up. So if you don't have that at this point, I still, you know, you need to do that because it does yeah, make things right. a lot, lot easier. Um, but just in, you know, in general, going back to just basic paper stuff too, organizing just doesn't come easily for somebody with ADHD. So you know, most likely they've probably have tried different budgets. They've tried different apps. They've tried different systems before. Nothing's really stuck. Um, you know, or they start putting something together, but they don't actually finish it to have it work. Mm -hmm. Right. So they start the process, but they don't really finish it. So when we look at organizing, it's all about decision making and making decisions is not easy, especially when you have a lot of them to make, um, even by just what app do you use? Right. Uh, what, sure. what book do I look at and follow their program? Do I look, do I look at Susie Orman or do I look at, uh, Dave Ramsey or, you know, what do I do? <laughs> you know, yeah, right. Who do it, I trust? How do, do I figure I trust? out who to trust? Yeah, it's really um, quite uh, frustrating. Um, and, you know, like we said, setting up a budget is not any more fun than, you know, having a budget and, and following it. But yeah. setting it up is not fun either. It's right. it's a lot of details. Working memory is probably something that you wouldn't necessarily think about as part of money management. But um it really is because, you know, to understand how it works, working memory uh, is basically that it's it's difficult to remember the, the consequences, the past consequences of something. And so even if you know it's really important to pay your bills, you may still 
forget to pay your bills because that working memory isn't working, right? You're, you're not reminded. And so unless you have some reminders and some um, real solid systems in place to say, okay, every every Sunday or every 1st and 15th, this is what we do. And you're reminded to do it. It's very easily to get, you know, th- these are, money is not necessarily going to be top of your mind. Mm-hmm. And if it is, you're going to probably want to do something else instead. Um, Ari Tuckman, one of our friends of the show, Mm-hmm. says, you know, you can't remember what you don't pay attention to. And the more you are able to pay attention, the more likely you will remember. So we have to have those little triggers in place to to help us remember that this is what you're paying attention to is getting your finances in order. Does that make absolutely. sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's that t- speaks directly to this whole idea of building a new muscle. Right. And, and setting new you know, whatever your organizational structure looks like for your time, applying that to money. That's my big yes. takeaway here is just I need to put those daily tasks in, you know, not just for doing my planks, but uh, for checking, updating the budget or just at least thinking about, you know, What's my financial on? health. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, self-regulation, probably not going to be a big surprise when it comes to especially impulsive um, purchases. But, it, you know, self-regulation allows us to regulate our behavior. So when we are exercising good self-regulation, we're able to think before we speak. We can recall past events in order to, you know, to predict the future. So uh, when we ha- when it's in place <laughs> and we have this good sense of regulation, we don't have... We, we're not making those impulsive purchases. We're actually saying, okay, I really want that new electronic you know, device, but I'm going to sit and I'm going to really think about it first before I just go and buy it because I want it. Like, and so maybe, you know, you're giving yourself that 24 hours to, 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 to think about it. You're looking at, you know, do I have the resources? In my case, when it comes to electronic devices, I just call Pete. And <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, Pete will say, uh, yes, get this, uh, get all of it. <laughs> I love spending other people's money. You love spending I other people's money. I delight in it. <laughs> but I, but, but what, what I, I think is the important point here is though, is I trust you. And so I know mm-hmm. that if I, am considering buying something you're you are going to give me the best advice and you are going to tell me what's good and bad and so i think that that's an important piece of self-regulation is you're able to step back and say okay if i don't know everything that i should know about this and we all know that's a rabbit hole of doing Mm -hmm. your own research then you know do find somebody that maybe does so that you can um, make a better decision you know, you know what I think is interesting about that whole that that whole con, um, sort of concept of finding somebody you trust. At least I know, like when you call me, I tend to be much more sort of strategically frugal uh, when I'm recommending something for you than when I'm buying it for myself. I could buy the same thing, and I just irrationally upgrade every possible feature. If we're talking about a laptop, max it out. Right. Let's, I don't even need to think <laughs> about it. But when I'm doing it for you, like I tend to be much more sort of reasonable. Right. Right. <laughs> it's, it's sort of conscious of what you need and what you use. So yeah. Um, yeah. And that's because you know like how that. I value, as a, right. not value necessarily, well, it's value and view money. You just yeah, know that, right. right? Yeah. And you know that I have this husband, he's going to say, no, you don't need yeah, that. That's right. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm preparing a defense for your husband. That's right. It's like, right. It, like, I just have to make sure every every single scenario is is accounted for. That's right. That's yeah, right. That's good. And that actually leads into our next conversation. And that is your relationship with money. It's a really interesting dynamic Um 
And we all have one. And I, and I think I've probably have shared this story before when we've talked about money, um, in past times, but I, I, you know, it, it, it's really telling. I remember when I was first, uh, dating my husband and he had gotten a bonus, uh, end of year bonus from his sales job. And, uh, I was like, wow, that's fantastic. You know, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to buy something? Like, what are you going to buy? Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look at him. And he's like, well, I'm not going to buy anything. I'm just going to invest it. I'm like, you're going to invest all of it? <laughs> like, you're not even going to like go buy like at the time, like a CD, like <laughs> yeah. back in the late nineties. Um, right. <laughs> you know, but no, he's like, no, I'm just going to invest it. And, and that was, we have two very completely different views on that. Now he would still do that to this day. I still would take some of it and say, okay, I'm still going to reward some of it. Treat yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm okay with like, you know, saving most of it, but then there's going to be some that's going to be for me too. So you know what I find interesting about that though, Nikki, is that the same joy and that you get out of taking some of it and treating yourself in, in some special way that's unique to you. He gets from investing it. Like investing right. it is buying himself something that gives him joy. And, and I think that's really important to to understand that mindset because I also don't have it, right? If if mm-hmm. you know, I although I can say once it's done, like if somebody takes that money and I never have to see it or touch it, and it just goes into an investment and then they start showing me the statements and returns, then I can get joy about it. But it's that immediate space, that that interstitial space where I have to make a choice that is very difficult for me. And that's why so many of my systems that work with regard to my money are automated systems that I don't have to touch. Like it's taken from me before I have to make a conscious choice about it. Which is really smart. And that is a key, key strategy, I think, for um, for all of us, but especially um, for ADHD, because then you don't see it. You don't think about it, right? Out of sight, out of mind. So it's gone. You don't have to make that choice whether or not you put it into a investment, you know, an IRA or you put it into, you know, your pocket. So, um, yeah. And I think it's interesting too, because in the, in the book, um, ADD and your money, you know, the very first part, she, she talks about how our relationship with, with money is largely based on how we were raised. And there's this great exercise in the book, um, to kind of help you understand more about your, your beliefs and just to, to share a couple of, them. you know, what's your earliest memory regarding uh, money, Um, which of your parents' beliefs or attitudes about money do you still carry with you? And so, and then there's more like this in the book that really Mm -hmm. just gets you to think. And and it's interesting because... you know, I think about how I grew up and I, I grew up in a very middle class. Um, we weren't poor, but we weren't rich either. I mean, we had to make a lot of choices. And I remember my mom saying, um, they like to go on vacation. So for her, it was more important that they went on a vacation every year than to have a really like nice, fancy car. So they would have very, um, you know, reasonable cars um used but then they would go on two week vacations every every year mm-hmm. so it was always like this choice you know you always made these choices so it is it's interesting just to kind of think about okay well how did my parents um spend money um 
I'm watching a show on Hulu, uh, Little Fires Everywhere. Oh yes, and it is oh, so yes. interesting when you come when you think about this because it is really like one economic status that never has to worry about money that has all of these options and resources, and then another economic status that are all you know they're struggling and they don't have the same resources, and just to see how that plays out in the show is really interesting. Totally. Um, so, you know, just something to kind of think about is how you view it and and um what do you think? Well, I'm I'm with you and I was, you know, the the script that was written for me when I was, you know, 5 to 15 was it, it was one of of privilege, right? I mean, I, I again, we weren't like super wealthy, but my dad was a, you know, he was a uh, in television and ran a television station newsroom, and we had like I never had to question the the things that we needed, and I feel like we did not talk about it um, when I was a kid. In fact, we didn't mm-hmm. start talking about money as a family until a significant investment challenge that my dad undertook and we had to start making like they had to learn a lot about money and about their relationship with money as a result of of losing a lot and um and quickly and i feel like that was kind of a wake up call for me too to realize that i have i have no language to talk about money as that mm-hmm. that was developed with me as a kid apart from academic language like going through you know math economics accounting classes and uh, so I never really internalized those things. They were always sort of external to me, and that that makes that even more of a of a challenge. When as an adult, I feel like I'm conditioned to uh, a childlike relationship with that conversation, and so it, it's hard to embrace. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to feel like I'm truly a part of it, um, and and so as a result, it's it's also hard to m- consistently make smart decisions without uh, without guidance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's an important point that it's, it's okay to have guidance. Yeah. Right. It's okay to have somebody, um, help you with this because it's not something that is always going to be natural or that you're, um, comfortable with your own beliefs, you know, around it. And, and that leads me into think, into speaking a little bit about what your beliefs are around money, right? So there's this Mm -hmm. relationship, but then there's also these limiting beliefs that can, that can come up. And, um, before digging into a financial kind of project, I think it is important that you identify what yours are. You know, what do you say to yourself when you when you think about money? And if 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 it's if the first thing coming out of your mouth is, oh, I'm terrible with money. I can't ever stick to a budget. I never pay bills on time. They're always late. You know, all of these things that we can easily say, then, you know, we've got to really pick those things apart. And um, you know, which ones are sabotaging you from moving forward? Um, and what fears do you have? Because I, again, I think I have to go back to a little bit of that denial factor of, or ignorance is bliss. If I don't mm-hmm. really know, then I don't have to face it. Um, but, you know, I don't know if that's really going to carry you through. It, it, I think that's <laughs> I, more scary. I think we could safely say it's not going to carry you no, through. Yeah. I don't think there's any question. <laughs> no, I'm more scared about that than, yeah, than just about facing the uncertainty. it. Yeah, yeah, and figuring out what you need to do. So, right. um, you know, one of the things that I do with my clients, uh, no matter what they're taking on, any kind of project or um, strategy or something that they want different in their life, I, I have them do a desire statement. And, um, 
um, have them write it out to what's important and then put it out or put it up somewhere so they can see it. And uh, that desirement, the desire statement is basically three different questions. It's just saying, asking, you know, what do I want? Why do I want it? And uh, how do I want to feel? And we want to answer those questions in very um, just two to three type of, of words. We don't want to go into great detail because what we're trying to do is actually make a statement out of these three answers. And so if, if, uh, if a, you know, getting your finances is important, you know, what do you want? Well, I want my, fan, my finances to be in order. Why do you want that? To have freedom. How do I want to feel? Not stressed, you know. I mean, those mm-hmm. are the kind. It can just be really simple things, um, but just keep that in front of you so that you don't forget why it's important to you. Because again, it's out of sight is out of mind, and we need to pay attention to to these things. So, right, right. a desire statement can be really helpful. Um, and then this last thing that I want to talk about, which I'm sure we're going to be talking more about with with our experts, is just thinking about what your goals are. You know, what what is it that you want to do? Yeah, and and I think it's important to talk about this on two levels too, because I, you know, there is one, and I'm I'm gonna I, I speak personally. One is what are your goals in in you know assessing your financials and in your relationship with money, but two, more practically, what are your goals with regard to this month? Like we're gonna lead yeah. through, we're gonna go through this series of talking about money together, and how might you kind of make a set of immediate goals of of how you want to talk about money as we go through June. I love that. I think that's a great idea. It kind of puts it right in front of you right now, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. And and you know, it is such a big topic and so zeroing in on what that means, you know, is it to get out of debt? Is it to get out of a specific debt? I've had some people who, you know, are really paying attention to get rid of those student loans. So is that something that you want to really concentrate on? Is it retirement for you and I? Pete, it's paying for higher education for our kids. Um, is it an overall budget? And so, it, you know, I think that we get in this mindset of, oh, we've got to attack it all. But we also know that when we attack something full force like that, it almost always falls apart and we stop doing it. And so yeah. I think it's important to, to and, 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 you know, talk to your financial advisor, talk to an accountant, talk to, listen to what our experts have to say, because this is just me going off of my own, you know, thought process. And it will be really interesting. That'll be one of my questions, I think, for them is like, do you do you paint the picture for everything? Or do you start small and just, you know, only look at that specific debt? I'm not really sure. So it'll be really interesting to see what they have to say. Um, But, uh, you know, doing that self analysis of of zeroing in what it is that you want, um, what's been getting in your way? Is it because you don't have the right resources? You're not paying attention to it? You don't know what to do? What do you need? you know, to help you. Um, and then let's really kind of figure out what that first step is, which I'm sure our experts will will help us with. Um, but, I, you know, we have to break this down in some way uh, because Truly. it's just way, way too big to just yeah. go for it. Like, we're going to talk about financials. Yeah, right. What does that well, even mean? It, it, it truly, and and I I feel like this is going to be a conversation that requires a certain amount of courage. So you know, muscle up. We we right. can do it, right? We can do it. Like this is a hard thing. It 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 is hard for many people uh, who don't live with any of the 
you know, stresses that might come with ADHD. Your special, special, special blend of ADHD, notwithstanding, money is hard. It is. And we live particularly, and I'm going to, I'll speak sort of geographically here. In the United States, we live in a particularly complex system of money, right? Mm-hmm. I, I was reading some posts of from some friends who live in Sweden and Denmark and their relationship with, you know, healthcare, life insurance, those sorts of things. A, a lot of things that that are are just sort of taken care of. And he likened it to um you know, it's a friend who actually uh, married a woman uh, and moved over to Denmark. His family's been there for 25 years. And he said, it's like, it, it, it's not like a social safety net, like you would think about it. It's like being part of a frequent flyer club and your your level always starts at silver status. Like, it's just, you always get in to the, to the, the you know, whatever you think about that. There is complexity that is saved by having a system like that, that we don't have. And so I think that causes a lot of of, um, additional challenge and additional motivation to hide Mm -hmm. from the monetary systems that we have to address. Personal tax systems, retirement systems, these are things that we have to learn that that are hard. We have to do hard things. Luckily, we can do hard things we know we can do hard things. Because we are in the growth mindset. Because we're in the growth mindset. Check that out. I well, know. Check like out that, the growth mindset like, on us. Word by word or word for word. Right. So yeah. we'll do it. We'll yeah. do it. We'll do yeah. it. I know we can do it. I can we do can. It. We can. Oh, God. What am I doing? You're going to do it. You are going, <laughs> you're going to be okay. <laughs> you're going to be just fine. All right. Yeah. All right. So let's do it. So next week, immediately, what are we doing? That's a great question. I don't know that yet. Okay. <laughs> I do know we're we are working on scheduling. And so our schedules for the people that that do um faithfully come to our live streams on Monday mornings. Um that is probably it could change in the next three weeks because we yep. are working um on making the schedules work for our guests. Um Chelsea, the uh gal from um oh what's it Smart called? Money Mamas. Yes. Smart Money Mamas is going to be doing a two-part series um with us. And uh I'm really I'm so excited to have Stephanie on the show too. Um, and she's going to be coming back in the fall to talk about gaslighting because she has a book about gaslighting too. So she's just, I'm so excited to, to have her as well. Um, both of these women are just going to be fantastic. So we are, as usual, going to kind of wing it a little bit. Um, I know our audience appreciates that. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure that we will be talking about budgeting and impulse buying and what to avoid and what to do. And, you know, if you have questions, um, certainly, you know, send those to us, but send them to us quickly because we are going to be, you know, recording these, these shows. But I have a pretty good idea. And I think Pete and I, you know, we can, we can figure this out. We're going to, oh, yeah. We're going to kick we the brains. It. We got this. We've got this. We got it. We're going to nail it. We can do hard things. Yes, we can. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week at some point right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. 